Hey, everybody. John Moe here uh, from the hilarious world of depression. And before we kick into our holiday coping mechanism spectacular show here, this special edition of our show, wanted to take a little moment to talk to you about what we're doing and how it works and what you can do to help us out. And here to help me out is the executive producer of the hilarious world of depression, Kate Moose. Kate, welcome to the studio. Thank you, John Moe. It's good to be here today. You know, we're taking just a minute here to talk to our listeners and our loyal audience about expressing support for the podcast that they listen to regularly. Hilarious World of Depression helps you talk about a topic that has been subject to stigma in our world, depression, mental health, mental wellness. It's at the basis of all of our health. And if this program has helped you, helped you talk to a friend, helped you with your own mood, we ask you to support it now. Go to hilariousworld.org, hilariousworld.org, and make a gift in support of the podcast you listen to. And, you know, we uh, hopefully have given you some tools on this program, different ways, different things you could use to deal with uh, something like depression. And in this, what you're about to hear on our special, we have all sorts of different ways, different tools for dealing with the holidays, which can be a, a kind of a tough time. No kidding. <laughs> um, you know, there's the way of, of dealing with uh, anxiety by naming it Steve and kind of yelling at it that way. Shut up, Steve. Shut up, Steve. Get out of here. Uh, laughter itself is a tool to kind of defang depression, take it down a notch or two. But, Kate, we have another tool that we can offer people, an actual tangible object. Do you want to talk about that? You bet. If you uh, give a gift to Hilarious World of uh, Depression before the end of calendar 17, we will send you, as a thank you gift, a pillbox branded Hilarious World of Depression. How great is that? Something to show your friends and impress your family with. You can put Zoloft in there. You could put Effexor in there. You could put Tic Tacs in there I or Mentos. I, vitamin B, I've checked. It fits. It B, works. Exactly. Little little tiny chocolates, perhaps. And that gift is yours at any amount that you can give. Between now and the end of 2017, make a donation. You get the Hilarious World Pillbox. So that is yours. Uh, we're going to dive right into the show right now, but uh, get on over to the website, contribute any amount today, hit the donate button when you go to hilariousworld.org, and we'll be back a little bit later in this program to tell you about some, uh, some other special prizes that you can earn. So enjoy the show. Says there's something wrong with me. I got the sadness I can't shake now. Is there something I can't take now? This is the Holiday Coping Mechanism Spectacular from APM, American Public Media, and the Hilarious World of Depression. I'm John Moe. The Hilarious World of Depression is ordinarily a podcast. It's a series of interviews, for the most part, where I talk to funny, creative people, comedians, musicians, writers, actors, who have all dealt with the disease of clinical depression, which is a serious disease, and you need to take it seriously. But I'm of the opinion that if you can have open and honest conversations about depression, that's good. And if you can even have a laugh or two along the way, that's good, too. And I think you can. Professional, funny people are good at recognizing and articulating the human experience. So if we can get together, have a laugh, talk, that is going to make people feel less alone. Because depression wants you to feel alone. It wants to isolate you so it can fester. If we open up, if we connect, then we feel better and we fight back. Okay, so the holidays. Now, the holiday season can be warm, wonderful, full of comfort and joy. It can also be treacherous. Yeah, it may be great to gather together with beloved family members, but families have grudges and secrets and stuff that lingers. It can be fun picking out perfect gifts for people that they'll love, but what if they don't? Or what if you spend too much or not enough? There's all that food and all those issues tied up with food. All those friends you see and all those friends you don't see anymore, whatever the circumstances. 
And don't get me started on holiday travel. More than anything, there's this idea of holiday cheer and the attendant guilt and shame if you just don't feel it as much. If you're one of the millions of people with depression, it can be an especially tough time of year. All that pressure, it's dark outside, eating a million cookies somehow fails to make you feel better. If you've never dealt with depression directly, well, congratulations, must be nice. But it's overwhelmingly likely that someone close to you is dealing with it. A family member, friend, coworker, neighbor. Depression is in your life. Normally on our show, we talk to one guest per episode. This time out, lots and lots of guests. Celebrities, listeners, experts, me. When he was a kid, actor Will Wheaton was a big star. He played the lead in the movie Stand By Me. He was on Star Trek The Next Generation. As an adult, he struggled with depression, anxiety, and his career. And at one point, he had to reset Christmas. When our kids were small, my wife and I were, were, we were struggling financially. And there was a Christmas where we just, we just didn't have any extra and we couldn't do anything. So we created this thing called Little Christmas. And it was like, here's a little physical gift, but the gift we're going to give each other is a really cool, fun day together. We're going to give each other a memory that we can carry forever because we will forever remember the time that we all went to the aquarium together long after you have outgrown the shoes that you desperately needed or you finished that Nintendo game that you couldn't live without or whatever it is, right? Um, and that idea and, the, and, and, and also because um, Anne doesn't have a big extended family and the majority of my extended family is either dead or lives far away, um, we started bringing in our friends from around town who didn't have anybody in LA, right? We created, like, we called it the, everybody has a different name for it. We call it the, the we created the Island of Misfit Toys. And um, we started making holidays about being with people we wanted to be with and, and about spending time with people who made us happy and made us feel good. And I feel like there's a little bit of a, this sense, this Calvinist sense of obligation to go be around someone because you happen to be related to them, um, even if they make you feel bad. So again, you're taking away your own choice and your own free will. And yeah. yeah, and I feel like if if that, I think it's okay to not put yourself in front of a train. You know, I mean, I feel like it's really okay to to not put yourself in a, in a place where you're going to feel bad and you're, and you're going to be unhappy. We talk to celebrities on our show, but we also talk to regular folks like Brie Tarquare of St. Paul, Minnesota. She was on the podcast a while back talking about how she deals with her anxiety by naming it Steve and then imagining Steve as this dumb friend who shows up once in a while. So anytime her anxiety acts up, she can just say, oh, Steve, cut it out. Her friends are all used to her talking to Steve. Anyway, Brie has some creative thoughts for depression and the holidays. My favorite thing to do is to make snowflakes. I, I love winter holidays. I love the atmosphere and the decorations and the spirit and the scarves and coats and mittens. And it's almost as if my brain is like, no, nah, I can't deal with this. There's too much joy in the air and in here. And so um, it it's turned into a time where I go through some of the worst, darkest, most negative thought spirals uh, that my depression can conjure up. Um, and, I, and I needed to think of a way to deal with this and like literally survive the, the holidays every year. Um, I've learned in the past that I can't ignore them. And so doing things to completely distract me from these, these thought spirals don't really help because eventually these will come back and they'll be worse. And so I also needed to figure out a way that they couldn't completely take over my life and I wouldn't obsess about them and then just get stuck in this darkness. Um, so what I do with snowflakes is 
I will make a snowflake and for each one there is a thought that I can think that I'm stuck on. And as long as I am making this snowflake, I can think as much as I want to about this thought spiral and I can and address the, the, the logic of it, that it doesn't really make sense. I can think of all the things that make it not true and um, I can deal with it as long as I'm making the snowflake. And then as soon as that snowflake is done and, and finished being made, then that thought is also finished. I've given it its time. I've given it the platform that it wanted, but I can't be stuck on it anymore. And now I have the snowflake. What it does for me is that it, it gives me a space to be productive because I'm making something. Um, and it also gives me, it feels like a safe space to address these thoughts because I've set a time. I've set a limit and I can't do more than that. And um, my favorite part about it is that like, I'll hang them up from my ceiling and eventually my entire apartment looks like a set from the movie Elf, which is my favorite Christmas movie. There are a lot of creative ways to deal with holiday stress and unpredictable minds. Neil Brennan is a comedian, writer. He co-created Chappelle's show with Dave Chappelle and he's fought depression for years. Neil's solution requires less work than the ones we heard already. Somebody literally two days ago, this is what I got a little, I get a little angry sometimes about stuff like this. She goes, what do you do during Christmas? And I was like, nothing. She's like, well, what do you mean? You don't go in? I'm like, it's two hours where you're supposed to be somewhere. Mm -hmm. No, I don't, I don't care about Christmas. So why are you making me care? I don't, it literally means, I think it's absurd like, that's the nice thing about depression is you can reduce Christmas, like, and just be like, what? A, 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 a God I don't believe in and his son I don't believe in and then a marketing arm that's, what? <laughs> I literally play video games. Like, me, my friend Bijan comes over and we play video games. It's like the only day of the year I play video games. <laughs> it's I'm Christmas. not even kidding. Yeah, Christmas and like, yeah, like the, the two days before Christmas and Christmas. Was Christmas a, a bad time in your house growing up? I mean, yes, because my family was there. Um, it was chaos. It's not, it's tension. Well, I'm going to be especially nice today. <laughs> not tomorrow, though. It's like, don't, don't insult me. But today is yeah. Jesus's birthday. Yeah, it's a special day. So I'm going to be especially, I'm going to be decent because <laughs> it's special day. <laughs> I'm going to be an acceptable I'm human. I'm going to be slightly above the bare minimum. <laughs> Because of Jesus. So I don't, again, the, the, if you're worried about the holidays, like, they're pretty easy to argue your way out of. Like, like. Just don't do it. Yeah. Just like, what? It also, like I said, it's two hours. Yeah. It's dinner. <laughs> you can go bowl. You can go to a movie. Like, you can, and I, I have good news for you. You can do it without your family. The thing about being an adult, you can do, as long as what you want is mostly legal, you can do what you want pretty much all the time. It's great. You know how much gum I chew? I have bags of gum. Dave Morantz is a listener in New York City. He'll be alone this year, well, with his dog and his depression. He's getting ready for it. I'm single. I have no kids. My parents are gone. All my usual social contacts peel off to be with their respective families. And so I'm left to wander around New York City and watch people and their families having a lovely time. And, and I'm usually miserable. So what I do to try to make myself not miserable is uh, keep my mind active on other things other than myself. So I, li I like playing music. I'm a guitar player, so I play guitar. Um, I'm also an actor, so if I can get into a play to work on, uh, which is also great because it brings people together in a common activity. You know, it's like a little family for as long as a play lasts, which is, is great to have a little social circle that's together for a specific reason. Um, and then, of course, there's the old tried-and-true standbys, naps, and meditation. Uh, so, last year, uh, my dad went into the hospital two days after Thanksgiving, and he passed away the day after New Year's. So, I'm right now entering the most brutal time of the year. Uh, I think this year is going to be more difficult than most. But... I'll do my best.
Coming up, Amy Mann, Margaret Cho, and my desperate search for the Christmas spirit on the hilarious world of depression's holiday coping mechanism spectacular. The Hilarious World of Depression is supported by health partners and by makeitok.org. Make It Okay is a campaign to start conversations and stop the stigma surrounding mental illness, not just depression, but all kinds of mental illnesses. You know, we enjoy having a lot of laughs on this show. It's fun. It's a way of dealing with depression and maybe demystifying the disease a little bit, making it not so scary. But let's not kid ourselves. Depression is a serious disease. It has real consequences. The good news is that people can and do get better. That's why we need to make it okay to talk openly. That can be an awkward conversation, but makeitokay.org is full of information you can really use in your day-to-day life. What to say, what not to say. And it has stories from people who tell you what it's really like to live with depression, anxiety, or other mental illnesses. Go to makeitokay.org. You can take the pledge right there to make it okay. Thank you so much to Health Partners and to Make It Okay for joining us in fighting stigma so we can all get better. Hey, everyone. It's John again. Just wanting to take another moment to talk to you about how you can support the hilarious world of depression during this season of giving and a uh, season of holiday stress sometimes. It's a great way of uh, we're, we're going to address some of your giving opportunities and maybe even take away a little bit of stress for you uh, here on this particular episode. With me in the studio is the show's executive producer, Kate Moose. Hey, Kate. Hey, John. Great to be here with you. You know, we are taking just a moment to talk directly to our audience about supporting all of the production costs that go into bringing you Hilarious World of Depression. We are a nonprofit, and we are supported by a wonderful partner in Make It Okay, uh, and we need your support, too. There is staff time. There are studios. There are travel budgets so that we can go and talk to some of the wonderful guests that you've heard on this show. If you listen to this program, listen to this podcast, and have benefited from it in any way as we have conversations to bash stigma and laugh depression out of the room, go to hilariousworld.org and click on the donate button to make a gift. Yeah, this is a disease that wants to fester. It wants you to shut up about it. We don't let it. We drag depression into the sunlight. We even laugh about it sometimes. We need your help, though, to continue the work that we're doing. There are a lot of stories about people dealing with depression. And, and the way that we handle it on this show is we say, look, not every not every solution is going to work for every person. Different people have had success doing different things. There's no one size fits all. We want to bring as many different stories, as many diverse stories from across the world as we can. We want your help to do it. If this show has benefited you, now is the time to give at hilariousworld.org. And at any amount, you get the Hilarious World of Depression pillbox. You can We've talked about that already in this practical. episode. Practical. Very it's practical. practical. It's good for traveling. And then also at the $5 a month level, just 5 bucks a month gets you the Hilarious World of Depression mug. It's, it's a sturdy ceramic mug. It's strong. It's perfect for bashing stigma. It is perfect for bashing stigma. It is a classic black with the logo on the, uh, on the front and the message, listen, laugh, cope. Hilariousworld.org is where you can make a gift and come away with a pillbox and or a beautiful Hilarious World of Depression coffee mug suitable for holiday gift giving. Yeah, you can put some some lovely tea in there. You could put some coffee in there. You can, you know, you might need a little caffeine to to uh, to bash that stigma with, but uh, we'll take care of you. And that's available between now and the end of the year. So visit hilariousworld.org between now and the end of December to pick up those gifts. Check it out, donate, and now back to the show. It's the hilarious world of depression's holiday coping mechanism spectacular, or THWODHCMS for short. I'm John Moe. We're talking to folks with a sense of humor about getting through the holidays when depression can get pretty brutal. 
Jenny Lawson is a New York Times bestselling author and a blogger. She lives in San Antonio with her husband, her daughter, a badly taxidermied boar's head named James Garfield, depression, anxiety, and some bold ideas. I think we should get rid of having Christmas and Thanksgiving. I think we should have like Thanksgiving one year and then Christmas the next year and then Thanksgiving the next year. And then (laughs) that's that's all we need. Like nobody needs two in a row. It's exhausting. I would say when it comes to Christmas. Do you do do that in your family, by the way? Oh, God, no. I wish we did. (laughs) I so wish we did. I mean, like my side of the family, they totally would be like, oh, yeah, that's fine. We can totally do that. Um, But my husband's side of the family. Oh, no. It's like, get out all the China. Uh, everything's beautiful. Pretend we love each other. Um, just kidding if you're listening to this. Uh, but but um, yeah, I, I find it extremely exhausting. And I, I, want, I want my daughter to have really great holiday memories, but we don't live next to any of her cousins and she's an only child. And so it's just us. And uh, so I do a lot of relying on let's watch, you know, a Christmas story and let's watch It's a Wonderful Life and let's watch because first of all, I don't have to do anything. I can just sit there, which is lovely. And then the other thing that I do is I don't set any expectations whatsoever. Like I have absolutely no problem with eating at Taco Cabana on Christmas Day. And on more than one occasion, that has been our Christmas dinner was Taco Cabana, except last year, I think they they closed for Christmas Day. I was like, what? I need tacos. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, our our stuff is super low level. I don't ask for anything for Christmas and don't usually get anything for Christmas. We kind of focus on on just making sure that Haley is happy that day. And as long as she is happy that day, then we're happy that day. Yeah. And we you don't have to feel so bad about comparing yourself to everyone else. Also, I think I'm going to maybe not put up Christmas trees anymore because last year I had my Christmas tree up for six months afterward. And it was almost like, like a fight I was having with the Christmas tree. And, uh, it was, it was a record. And, um, (laughs) so I'm thinking about like a new tradition and I don't know what it is, but, but something else that I can put up that would be like, that I can just burn later. A yeah. Yule log. Oh my God, a Yule log. Just put a Except log. Except it's Texas. Up. So, well, we but we don't have we don't really do fires in Texas. Oh, yeah. I mean, like. How about just I a taco? We, How about this? <gasps> How about you taxidermy a taco, and oh uh, and then um, you know kill two birds with one stone. Oh my God. And then go out and yes. kill a bunch of birds with a bunch of stones. Yes. No. <laughs> No, Don't do that part. but Don't maybe do maybe part. like just stun them, just lightly stun them, and then put bonnets on them, <laughs> right. and then super take care of them, and then set them back into the wild. Yeah, or you could just string up some lights on James Garfield. You might be okay that way. Oh, I have done that on more than one occasion. Okay. That's <laughs> that pretty much that. I have a, a two-headed bobcat, um, and he gets—I mean, a taxidermied one, not a live one—and sure. he gets uh, a um, on each on each ear little Santa hat, and that's. That's sort of my go-to Christmas decoration for the year. That's, that's sort of, that one always happens. And then the rest, um, and then I wait until like the, the day before Christmas. And then I pull out all of the advent calendars and I'm like, let's read all of them all together. I totally planned it this way. <laughs> Even though my mom would do it exactly the right way with all of the, and she'd be like, okay, today's December the 10th. Girls, go get the, the, the advent calendars. And so I have these like beautiful family heirloom advent calendars. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what I really need is my mom to be here to read them to my daughter because I don't remember. Now, if placing Santa hats on the ears of a two-headed taxidermied bobcat seems like too much work and laying around watching movies seems like too little work, there are other options. John Green is the author of many books, including The Fault in Our Stars. So I am such a big believer in exercise. Uh, I It is incredibly effective for me. It's very hard for me to exercise when I'm unwell. It's really difficult to convince myself to do it. But when I need a break in the holidays or I just need a little bit of um, uh, space created inside my brain, I find that going for a run or really doing any kind of exercise really works. You don't even have to run. 
John Ross Bowie is an actor and writer. He stars in the ABC comedy Speechless. Go outside and go for a walk. It's usually cold around the holidays, even where I live in Los Angeles, and the cool air can be a wonderful shock to the system, and it's a great way to get your heart rate up uh, without having to yell at your family. So put down the shortbread and the Yorkshire pudding. Uh, if you were raised in Episcopalian, as I was, I don't know, maybe you've got a different, uh, you know, maybe it's Kugel for you. I don't know what your traditions are, but uh, stop eating for a sec and go outside and walk briskly, maybe even ideally by yourself. Maybe take some music with you uh, that makes you feel good and get outside and get your heart rate up. And it's going to be the difference between a really sedentary, stressful holiday and a really fun, relaxed holiday where you can enjoy the people around you. Now, already in this program, you've probably noticed a lack of consensus. And that's on purpose, because when it comes to both dealing with depression and dealing with the holidays, there is no one universal solution. It would be great if there was, but there isn't. You have to find out what works for you through a whole lot of trial and a whole lot of error. There are no shortcuts. I'm sorry. That's just the only way. Jen Kirkman is a writer and comedian in Los Angeles. She has dealt with anxiety and depression most of her life. Recent holiday seasons have been a little bumpy. My boyfriend and I were together. We had been together for years. We had met at Christmas time, and we had um, broken up for a year. That was my fault. I'll take the blame on that one. And uh, we stayed friends for a while, and we got back together in 2016. And one thing that... I'd been planning since July of 2016 was how great our Christmas 2016 was going to be. Not that I needed a boyfriend to be happy, but I was so happy to be with this guy again. Christmas was really special to us in that he's Jewish. He doesn't have a family and my family's Catholic, but they don't care what we do on Christmas. So I was like, we're going to spend it at my place. I'm going to deck it out. We're going to go see... It's a Wonderful Life on Christmas Eve at a revival movie theater, and we're going to stay on the couch all day and watch the box set of Maud, which is what we did. And then he dumped me the next day. I did not see that coming. And I thought I was going to die. It brought up so much stuff for me. Obviously, breakups aren't pleasant. This went deeper. I was reading a book about grief, and one thing that the author said was, I had an appointment with this grief for a long time. I had a lot of stuff from my own life and psyche to work through, and in a weird way, had I stayed in this relationship, it may have proved to be a distraction that will ultimately have not served me very well if I hadn't looked at my inner stuff, which was starting to come up in other ways. But I don't know why I had to get dumped the day after Christmas. It it seemed cruel and it just sort of happened. I was so sad. I called a friend and thank God I had some extra dollars. And I hired someone to come over and make the Christmas go away. And somebody came to my place, packed it all up and put it in my closet. And I was physically ill for weeks. And I didn't tell anyone what happened because I was so ashamed. And I just isolated I mean, I told a few good friends, but. And that depression lasted for months into the new year. And I've been really afraid about this Christmas because I don't have a traditional thing that I do. I don't have a group of friends that gets together. I have my family, but, you know, I'm going to see them over Thanksgiving and I don't really necessarily, it's nothing to do with them. I just don't, I don't feel like being the kid in the family, staying in someone else's house. I just don't, I don't know how I'm going to feel. That's the problem. But I felt so much better this year about the breakup. I even wrote a script about it and sold it (laughs) to a network. And well, I'm writing the script right now and finalizing it. But oddly, that's what I'm going to be doing this Christmas season. Uh, The script is due right around Christmas. I'll be 
writing a script, a comedy script for a network about how I got dumped last Christmas, but it's, it's not literally me. It's a character, but it's based on me. And I bought tickets to go to New York City and I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to do on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, but I just assumed this would be the saddest Christmas of my life coming up. And I didn't cling to that story. I just stayed open to what might happen and that I might feel differently. And I think as of now, I do feel differently as I'm recording this a couple months before Christmas. Sometimes I just make a list of people that I know would want me to get through the holidays. I don't even have to know them. I don't even have to know them, but I know that Oprah would want me to get through the holidays. Comedian and writer Jen Kirkman. Some people will spend the holiday with family. For them, comedian Jake Weissman has some advice. Basically, if you're worried about going home for the holidays and spending it with your family, just think about all those people out there who don't have a family and how lucky they are. Amy Mann is an acclaimed singer-songwriter. She approaches the holidays with caution. It's like an obstacle course. Looks kind of fun and can be, but there are lots of opportunities to fall in the water and sprain your ankle, stuff like that. If you've had great holidays, you will compare and despair. <laughs> uh, you know, as dumb as little slogans like that are, though, I think it's really, I think they are really helpful. Like, don't compare and despair. Just, don't, you know. Cut it, out, cut it out. Don't compare. Compare what? and despair. Well, like you, I, I think one of the, for me, one of the problems with the holidays is you think of the greatest Christmas that you've had and then you're like, this is not that. Um, and there's a lot of shoulds, mm-hmm. like we should have a tree and decorations and like where are our friends and presents and, you know. I've really gotten to a thing where I can't buy presents for people. I don't know what that is. I have no ideas, and I'm afraid that everything, all my ideas would be terrible. I don't know. Like, it's a real weird block. And it's not very friendly because the people don't. And I do, I have to go, like, just buy them a book. Like, what? Stop. Like, give them something. Make it just a token. Gift card to yeah, Target or something. Anything. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Holidays are, because also then you're with your family, and everyone's family is a is a bag of triggers. <laughs> bag of triggers. Yeah, so it's a bag of expectations, a bag of triggers, a bag of comparisons. There's a lot of bags. How I used to get through the holidays was the Christmas spirit. When I was a kid, there was so much to look forward to at Christmas. I mean, sure, the presents, always the presents, and the coziness of everyone being home together, the food. We'd always have fires, so I looked forward to that. In the fireplace, I mean, not just raging randomly around the house. More than anything, I looked forward to the Christmas spirit. We weren't especially religious, twice a year Lutherans at most, but I was a faithful believer in the Christmas spirit. And no one ever tells you exactly what the Christmas spirit actually is. You just have to figure it out for yourself. I understood it to be this kind of mental and emotional filter that goes over your whole being and you see everything as being connected to Christmas and everyone is just as happy and loving as the people in the Sears catalog. I believe that uh, twinkling was involved, ideally with snow, but I live near Seattle, so it was rain, which didn't twinkle as good. Your soul is supposed to twinkle, too, as I understood it. The Christmas spirit is supposed to make you nicer and full of what they call good cheer. I didn't know what good cheer was either. Glad tidings, I think, were involved as well. What's a tiding? I... I hadn't the foggiest. I'm still not sure what a tiding is. But that spirit, the Christmas spirit, was a really big deal. And looking back on it, I think a lot of that had to do with mental health. 
From a very early age, from as far back as I can remember, really, I had a sense of otherness about myself. There was something weird about me deep down. Spoiler, it was depression, but I didn't know it yet. And so I had to desperately hope that no one discovered how I had a a secret weirdo mind. But the Christmas spirit gave me respite from that. A period of a few days, or if I was lucky, a few weeks, where I wasn't an outsider, but a cohort with the rest of society in the excitement of the vast, sweeping, religio-consumerist celebration that marked the end of the year. I would, for a while anyway, belong, which is a powerful potion for any kid, but all the more for someone with depression. Getting the Christmas spirit was another matter, because I understood the spirit as something that happened to you. And of course, I panicked that I wouldn't catch it that year. I never worried about Santa missing my house or whatever. My parents were Norwegian anyway, so their version of Santa was this kind of weird troll. And so the mythic identity of the demigod gift giver got pretty muddled by the time it got to our house slash consciousness. Finally, filled with anxiety, I would attempt to summon the Christmas spirit. I would concentrate really hard during Christmassy commercials on TV. I'd make sure to look extra long at the decorations at the mall, badger my parents about getting a tree early so the ornaments could go up and the smell could kick in and maybe that would give me a jump start. In the end, I wished it so hard to arrive that I did summon it, annually, without fail, seizing upon some random moment and deciding that now this quasi-religious sensation had finally arrived from whatever its source theoretically was. Yes, this time-hearing little drummer boy is what turned me over to the Christmas spirit. Or, aha, this latest flip through the Sears catalog, right around the Eeyore baby toys, you know, the clinically depressed donkey that we always foist upon toddlers, this won me over. Spirit has arrived. The depressed kid gets his annual respite from being a pariah. I don't think this is how faith works in organized religion. I doubt zealotry relies on catalogs, but we all make do with what we have. And it got the job done. I loved Christmas. The holidays ended, January arrived, and I thought about next Christmas and when and whether the spirit would return. Whatever works, trial and error. Just ahead, actual doctor's advice from a real doctor, plus Margaret Cho and zebras. Hey, everybody, it's John Moe again, wanting to offer some more ideas on how to build up your holiday spirit and help us out in the process. I'm here with the executive producer of our show, Kate Moose. Hello, Kate. Hello, John Moe. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good to be here. Good to have you. You know, we've been hearing conversations from Will Wheaton, from Amy Mann. There's a bunch of people still to come on this particular uh, episode of the show dealing with the stress of the holidays, especially if you're also dealing with depression. It can be a little bit tricky, but we want to talk about uh, what you can do to help out the show. If you found this show to be useful, if you found this to have a positive effect in your life, you can help to keep it happening, to to support this show and to keep this show strong by going to hilariousworld.org. And Kate, we've got some, uh, as as if the the benefit of giving to a podcast isn't enough, we've got prizes. Exactly. If the virtue of giving is not enough and you need some um, venal payoff, we do have (laughs) gifts. We have ways to thank you. One is the brand new Hilarious World of Depression Pillbox. You can keep your Zoloft or your Citalopram or your vitamin C. M&M's. Or your ibuprofen or gummy bears and M&M's <laughs> in the Hilarious World of Depression Pillbox. That's yours for any gift that you uh, send our way between now and the end of December 2017. Also, in the offing, a brand new, elegant, classic, black, Hilarious World of Depression coffee mug. Uh, you could use it for tea. You could use it for, as I am right now, for water. Mm-hmm. You could drink milk out of it. It's a beautiful, branded, hilarious world of depression coffee cup. And it's yours for $5 a month if you can afford a gift at that level. Hilarious 
www.thepublicworld.org. Make a gift today. You know, as we've often said in the world of public radio from whence we came, uh, you choose the amount that works for you. If it's $5 a month and you want to pick up that coffee mug, that is great. If it's another amount, you can still get the pillbox for any amount. Pick the amount that works for you. You know, we're not a, this isn't an arcade game where you put in the quarter and then you play for a while. I'm very, very old. I remember arcade games. But uh, <laughs> you find the amount that works for you, and we can keep bringing you this program, keep it strong, bring you more stories, bring you uh, more ideas on how people are dealing with it, the trial and error of other people dealing with depression. We can keep bringing that to you. So help us out. Pick up a gift and uh, go to hilariousworld.org. Kate, thanks so much. My pleasure, John. It's an honor to work on this show. And if it's helped you, we hope you'll make a gift today. Hilariousworld.org. This is the Holiday Coping Mechanism Spectacular from the podcast The Hilarious World of Depression. I'm John Moe. We're talking about depression and the holidays with people, many of whom are celebrities who have been on our show, some who are just regular, non-famous listeners. Dr. Ken Duckworth isn't a comedian. Nice guy, funny guy, makes jokes. But his main thing is being a psychiatrist and medical director for NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. He said, think back on what's worked for you before and what hasn't. So for some people, that's attending AA meetings more. For some people, that's connecting more with certain people. For some people, that's dosing down certain family members. And I think it's different for every person. I'm not sure psychiatric training actually prepares you very well for this particular question, because I think this is a very individual uh, construct. So this is a bad time to stop taking your medications. This is a bad time to quit therapy. This is a bad time to increase your substance use. So I think those are pretty straightforward uh, from a psychiatric training point of view. If you are religious and you get comfort from religious services, obviously this is a good time to do that. If religious has been, if religion has been traumatic for you, as it is for some people, this would be a bad time for most people to re-engage in that process. I called Ken, frankly, to see if there was a kind of best practices policy for getting through the holidays beyond common sense and trial and error. There isn't really. Take it easy. Give yourself a break. Careful with the booze and food. But unexpectedly, we ended up on another subject, a kind of important subject this time of year. Ken and his sister Sue both went to the University of Michigan. You know, I lost my sister to leukemia about five years ago, and she and I were great friends. And I would so look forward to seeing her every year at the holidays. You know, I haven't really been the same person since I lost her, but the holidays activate that. You know, Sue and I would do certain things at the holidays. We would exchange certain stupid gifts. We would laugh at ourselves and each other. We would review the fact that the University of Michigan once again lost to Ohio State. Like there were rituals that came with the holidays. Now, um, you know, I don't have Sue. And so the holidays are tinged with sadness for me. And uh, I love everybody, you know, that is around me during the holidays. But I think, you know, one of the things that I cope with is a very common problem, which is that you've lost someone that you were attached to during the holidays. And so, you know, how do I honor her? Well, of course, Michigan will again lose to Ohio State. I will watch the game and think about her. Sue used to call me during the games and said, now who's going to cover number 88, Ken? Right. She was going through a bone marrow transplant. She wasn't in a good uh, situation to do what she would then say. She'd call me back after number 88 was dancing in the end zone with the ball, not on our team. She said, Ken, do I have to go and cover number 88? So, you know, what I'll do this year is, again, I'll have a ritualized uh, performance of watching Michigan lose to Ohio State, and I will communicate with my sister spiritually the entire time. So that's like a coping strategy, right? This is something Sue and I did together. But the hard truth for me personally is she's not here. And so the holidays are always tinged with a little heartache for me. What's your strategy uh, around, I mean, do, do you do this in advance? Do you kind of give yourself an agenda for how you're going to get through it? Or is it, or do you kind of fly by the seat of your pants on that? Well, I've been at this for five years, right? So I've had, you know, again, this idea of what I started with, you know, you know what the holidays are going to be for you, right? You know what it's going to mean uh, to be at a meal without 
you know, somebody that you really loved. And uh, the first year was the hardest. The year of firsts is always the hardest. The first birthday, the first Thanksgiving. You know, this is just the construct of living with the loss of someone you adored and who adored you and who knew you as a little boy and knew how goofy you were. And when you lose her, you lose a whole narrative. And so I guess what I would say is that I tried to hold her memory close, but college football season is extremely active for me because she loved college football. And this was a whole thing we shared. It was quite beautiful. Actually, she took me to my first game when I was 11 years old. And so the entire fall is a uh, homage to this beautiful older sister that I had. Fortunately, Michigan loses to Ohio State every year. And uh, we've lost 15 out of the last 16 years. And a sick part of me likes losing because it reminds me of my time with Sue. Ken Duckworth, medical director for the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Comedian Margaret Cho has a kind of bold solution to holiday stress. I just hide out, you know. I don't spend it with my family. I uh, get into it with somebody I love, and we just run away, whether that's run away into the deep, dark depths of my house Uh (laughs) or going to North Africa or... Um, Italy or, you know, what I've done every year, um, I make a point to not spend it with friends and family. I take one person and we go deep somewhere where nobody will find us. And that, that's kind of how I get through it. How do you choose that person if they're not friends or family? Um, well, I'm lucky. I have a, I have a, I have a guy. All right. You know a guy. (laughs) I know a guy. And we just take that time to just go away. And, you know, that's taken different forms. That's taken, you know, forms of like going away to like do charity work or going away to vacation or just going away to my house. It's good. Julie Klausner of the show Difficult People says while you're hiding in that house, you can take up a project. Keep yourself busy on something other than like tinsel. I wrote the Difficult People spec during, you know, the holidays, during Christmas. And so that was a good um, exercise. And in the last few years, I've had scripts to write. But um, but I also try to remember that, like, you can be depressed all year round. Like, summer is really tough for me. My birthday is in the summer. And I feel like summer brings with it a lot of pressure to have fun and, like, spend the weekends away. And you just have this constant, like, everyone's having more fun than me kind of feeling. So I try to remember that when it's cold out and realize, well, at least I can, like, stay in and watch things and not feel guilty about it being a beautiful day. Bill Corbett of Rift Tracks and Mystery Science Theater 3000 says, keep an open mind this time of year. I used to get jealous of my Jewish friends who'd spend Christmas going out for Chinese food and then to a movie, at least as the, uh, the tradition has it, the legend has it, until I eventually realized, you know, I can do that too. I can work a little more of that counter-programming, I guess, into the day. And if not Chinese food, then maybe donuts. Here's listener Josh Eikenberry. In 2011, I managed to get out of retail. I joined a logistics firm, and uh, I tried to, to kind of remember my roots and uh, give back. So on Black Friday uh, the following year, instead of going shopping, um, I would actually, uh, the day before on Thanksgiving evening, I'd actually deliver a whole bunch of coffee and donuts to the last place that I worked at. It was a big box retailer. I'm trying to remain nameless. Um, <clears throat> anyways, it, it seemed to uh, go over really well. Um, I would just drop it off for free to the workers, and uh, they, you know, got a big kick out of it. Uh, I did that for a few years, uh, and then I tried uh, raising some money for it, uh, just kind of cover the costs. Uh, and then I, by doing that, I was able to expand it to beyond one store, and I started delivering to all the other stores uh, around that were open for for Thanksgiving and Black Friday. Um, and then over the years, people kept donating to it, and so I had extra money left over. So I would I found a food bank locally that I could give it to. Uh, the first year, we raised about $200. Uh, the next year was about $700. Uh, and last year, we raised $1,600. I kind of look at this as a good balance for me being a jerk for the rest of the year. Uh, as my wife can probably tell you, I'm a pretty ornery person most of the time, but this is the one time where I really feel I could get to give back. And plus, at the end of, uh, at the end of delivering the donuts... Um, I uh, try to avoid any Black Friday sales, and I just basically stay home and read and play video games without any pants on.
Funny thing about hugs. They can be really great if the other person in the hug holds it just tight enough for just the right amount of time. And most people are pretty good at that. It can go badly, too. A brief hug with just arms and no contraction indicates that we're just going through the motions here. We don't mean this hug. But the other way is even worse. I mean, obviously, the hug of someone who wants to do more than hug. Obviously, no, bad, don't do that. But there's also the hug that lasts too long or is too tight, and you realize just how close love and suffocation are to one another. How quickly we can go from feeling supported to being bound to a torso jail by iron bars made of arms. And yeah, it may be from someone who you love, but my God, this hug, I can't breathe. So what do you do? You cope. You daydream of the air that you'll be able to take into your lungs once this is over, and you just wait. You ride it out. I mean, maybe a pat on the back or an okay to signal that it's time to move on. Here's what you never do. You never loudly exclaim, I don't want to be in this hug anymore. Several years ago, that's exactly what I did. Kind of, in a sense. It wasn't a hug, though. It was Christmas. My wife and I had two kids at the time, three-year-old boy and one-year-old girl. It was getting toward winter, and we were starting to think about Christmas, and either driving to see my family or flying to see hers, like we did every year. We were both the youngest siblings growing up, and at Christmas, those siblings would be there with their own kids, who were all older than our kids. And their kids did more stuff than ours. They had more to say. They were more capable, could go more places, not need naps. And we thought, is this what it's always going to be? Just going to these same places with the same people and all of us always being the youngest? Doing the same thing year after year in the same places? Had nice traditions become compulsions? I mean, there was love. There was lots of love. But we were stuck in this hug, right? So we hatched an escape plan. We would leave town, rent a vacation house somewhere no relatives were, and just opt out, wriggle out of the Christmas hug and say, no, it's too tight. We decided on Squim. Squim is this town along the coast on the Olympic Peninsula in Washington State. And Squim is famous for what's called a blue hole. Washington is rainy. The peninsula itself has the only actual rainforest in the U.S. But Squim gets blue skies, very little rain, as much rain as L.A. And we thought, this is great. Leave drizzly, compulsive Seattle, where we lived, for sunny autonomy in Squim. So we broke it to our families that we would spend the holiday with none of them and instead go to Squim. And they were a little upset, but mostly confused. Why are you spending Christmas in Squim? And we just said, because we want to. Because we want to. I have never held up a liquor store and then driven across the desert, but I wouldn't be surprised if it felt like telling family members that you're breaking tradition because you want to. On the 24th, we packed up both kids and drove the two-and-a-half-hour trip in about five hours because babies. It was raining when we left, but when we got to Squim, it was raining and cold. We got to the rented vacation house and tried to get Christmasing. It was a new environment, so the very young children had to explore all the heavy objects and sharp corners and high-up places and just different ways they could get hurt. As I followed faithfully behind the kids, repeatedly saving them from toppling-related death, my wife got the food going. She had brought everything needed for Christmas cookies and made a big thing of dough. The one-year-old had some sort of crisis that resulted in our attention being diverted, leaving enough time for the three-year-old to eat a huge, troubling amount of raw dough. He then had just enough time to drop and destroy our very nice expensive camera before getting horribly sick in at least three different loud and violent ways. Later, we relaxed by not getting the TV to work and watching the kids be unable to sleep. Christmas Day was a day of playing with the new toys and wishing the kids would take a nap so we could either read or nap as well. It didn't work, so we went for walks. Wait, hold up, I want to rewrite that line. 
we went for trudges in the still gray and drizzly weather that wasn't supposed to be happening. We'd been betrayed by Squim. And it was cold out. We wandered around the marshy area outside like ghosts who didn't know that they had died of disappointment. It's like climate and nature were all clinically depressed. Our kids took on a kind of flinty countenance as they faced the bleak possibility that this is just the world as it forever will be. The next day, it was time to leave, and we decided to hit the Olympic Game Farm in Squim on the way out of town. It's a big park where you pay admission, and then you buy bags of old bread, and then you drive slowly along the paths and feed the llamas, yaks, deer, and many, many, so many zebras. They come right up to the car. You roll your window down. It's fun. We were the first ones through the gate. The Olympic Game Farm is open every day of the year, except Thanksgiving and Christmas. So for all these animals grazing on tourist bread, we were the first feeders they had seen after a day off. Friends, we were swarmed by zebras. Zebra tippy hedrons. I fed them. My wife fed them. The three-year-old fed them. It was just on the edge of terrifying. When we got done, feral zebras in the rear view watching us go, we realized that we had rolled all four windows down, including the one by the one-year-old. She did not have bread, but the very hungry zebras didn't know that and had been shoving their heads in the car to root around her car seat looking for snacks. She hadn't even cried because she was too busy trying in vain to process what was happening. The upshot was that when we finally had occasion to check on her, she was unnerved and coated in zebra saliva. It's hard to feel like good parents in a situation like that, and we did not. As we drove home, we thought about this holiday and about the decision we had made. The uncomprehending extended families, the near injuries around the rental house, stomach aches, trudges through wintry depression swamps, the totaled camera, and especially the traumatized baby encased in a viscous coating of zebra spit. This trip, I offered tentatively, was a disaster. My wife nodded. Yes, yes it was. Was it worth it, though, I asked? She looked at me incredulously. Of course it was worth it, she said, because now we had done that. And that's how I coped with the holidays that year. This program was produced by American Public Media. Our producer is Chrissy Pease, Kate Moose's executive producer. Production help from Corey Schreppel and from all the guests who recorded themselves. Our technical director for this episode was Veronica Rodriguez. Christina Lopez guides all our actions in social media. Thanks also to Nate Toby. Our theme song is called Pagliacci. It was written and performed by our good friend Rhett Miller of the band Old 97s. Much more about Rhett is at his website, rhettmiller.com. If you need help, confidential help is available at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-8255. It's free, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 1-800-273-8255. The Hilarious World of Depression is supported by Health Partners and MakeItOK.org. Make It OK is a campaign to start conversations and stop the stigma around mental illness. MakeItOK.org has information to check out for yourself or for someone else. Starting a conversation on this topic can be awkward. Make It OK has tips on what to say, what not to say. It has stories of hope from people who have been there. You can take the pledge to Make It OK at MakeItOK.org. We're on Twitter at THW of D. We're on Facebook. Just look for Hilarious World of Depression. You can find it there. You can write to us at THWOD, T-H-W-O-D, at AmericanPublicMedia.org. And we're on the World Wide Web, HilariousWorld.org. You can even go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to the Hilarious World of Depression. On our next episode, author and blogger Jenny Lawson finds taxidermy useful for many reasons. Quite often, I feel like I'm a taxidermied animal because when I am, you know, in the pits of depression, I don't feel sad. I feel numb and I have to, you know, fake my way through it, especially when I'm in front of my child because I don't want her to know that I'm upset. And so I put on this face And 
and I feel like this is not my real face, but I think I'm smiling and I'm not sure. And I'll look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, that seems believable, I guess. I'm John Moe. Bye now. Would you say I'm a sad clown? Tell me something I don't know. Would you say I'm a sad clown? Tell me something I don't know.